Before we get started on the podcast, I've got something brand new for you. It's called Skyrocket Your Profit, Five Marketing Mistakes That Are Weighing You Down. These are the five marketing mistakes that we see over and over and over again at StoryBrand. And you're probably making three, if not four, if not five of them. I'm going to go out on a limb. You're definitely making three of these mistakes. There are five, though, and you can find out what they are at skyrocketyourprofit.com. I made a video, a short video, for each one of them, and they're all relatively easy to fix. I think you can fix any of them probably in one day. So go to skyrocketyourprofit.com and find out what they are, find out if you're doing it, and find out how much money you're losing every day with these very simple problems to fix. Go to skyrocketyourprofit.com. Welcome to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Donald Miller. I'm joined by my co-host, J.J. Peterson. Hi, J.J. Hi, Don. J.J., here's the story question for this episode. Okay, go. What is the difference in the way a winner thinks Uh versus a loser? Oh, okay. Now, uh, can I just say in, something? In, though, you're real saying quick? in thinking, in mentality, in the way so. they think. But even before we get there, there are yeah. people who heard me say the word "loser" uh-huh. and felt like it was a harsh <laughs> word. I'm curious. Do you think that's a harsh word? Not in the context of this question. No, because it, I'm really not talking about the identity. Yeah. Of somebody being a loser, yeah. I think that's really harsh. Yeah, like we would never say, "What's the difference between JJ the winner?" thinking and Don the loser right. thinking. We, we would, would never, never we would never, would never occur to we anybody. We wouldn't even bring it up. Why would, would we why would anybody even bring that up? To anybody to categorize no. you and me as opposites. In, yeah, no. Of what we actually are. <laughs> 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 but what I mean by that is there are people who consistently win. Yeah. They're not people who consistently lose, because I think you a lot of people lose three times and they just get yeah. out of the game. Yeah, yeah. But what's the difference? Why did one think one way and another think one way? And we're really looking for what is it that's holding you back? And I, I don't want to get into like the self help guru kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. I'm talking about basic, basic umbrella mentality. thought patterns. Yeah, I mean, because I can look back on, say, the things that I've been able to, I think, accomplish in my life. It all came from a mentality that really I was limitless. And I know my limits in the sense of like... whatever it is that you were trying to do, if there was a success, you reverse engineer it to, I really just knew I could do that. I can do, if I work hard enough. I mean, obviously I'm 5'4", so I'm never going to dunk a basketball, right? Like there there are limits. Not without a trampoline. Yeah, not without a trampoline or lowering it, you know. (laughs) But, you know, so there are limits, quote unquote. But like in the context of... Of reality. Of reality, like, can I go there? Can I get this job? Can I become this type of leader? There was never anything that said... I'm not going to be able to do it. If I work hard enough and if I surround myself with the right people, I already knew like I'm going to win. I had that mentality. And did I always look exactly the way like I thought it would when I started out? No, by any stretch. But I never stopped and thought this isn't a possibility for me. I think that's one thing. And then something else that we've talked about is I think I always stop in the middle of something. If something's going hard or it's going wrong or I'm feeling pushed down And I have to stop and go, am I moving into a victim mentality here? Mm -hmm. Like most circumstances when I'm quote unquote losing or not doing great in a job or something like that, I start getting down and whining. And then I go, wait a minute, I'm not a victim here. I can actually get up a little earlier. I can work a little harder. Yeah. I would say that is the dominant thing that if I've ever been limited by anything, I can pretty much trace it back to victim mentality. And here's the thing that I realized this still creeps in. 
I mean, I remember going for a walk right out of high school and having a realization. I used to walk a few miles every night just to get some exercise before bed. And I stopped and had a realization, and this is going to sound really goofy, that if I wanted to be a lawyer, I could be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. That was, <laughs> I remember, and now, now I think, I, why would I want to be a lawyer? But uh, I remember thinking, oh my word, there's an open invitation from the world to do what yeah. you want, and it, it just had to be this tangible kind of I, thing I, for me. I do that with hobbies a lot. I mean, you hear me get obsessed about different things a lot, but like recently... I thought I would love to learn stained glass, how to make stained glass windows. And I was like, okay. And so I did it. <laughs> so I took some yeah. stained glass classes. And now, of course, I want to open an entire studio in my garage. But like I also said, I wish I could make really good bread. And then it was like, okay, I'm actually going to become a little obsessed. Like there's nothing holding me yeah. back from those things of learning and growing. And I don't do a lot of like, quote unquote, wishful thinking of just like, oh, it would be nice if I just kind of go, it would be fun to learn stained glass. Okay, I'm going to go learn stain- how to make stained glass windows. Right. I just kind of go for it yeah. in that context. Well, this week's guest is an old friend. His yeah. name is Ben Malcolmson. And he's written a book called Walk On. And Ben is the communication director and personal assistant, executive assistant for Pete Carroll, coach of the mm-hmm. Seattle Seahawks. His story is amazing. Yeah, Ben was a student at USC decided he would write a article for the USC newspaper about walking on to the USC football team. Yeah. So he's just going to try <laughs> yeah. as a walk-on to get on the team, and yeah. then he just did it for a story. Yeah. Hadn't played football since fifth grade. He made the team. <laughs> Coach called him, and he thought it was a joke. <laughs> Coach called him and said, you're on. And he ended up playing for USC, earning Coach Carroll's respect. And I think, personally, I just think they're really kindred spirits. They see the world very similarly. Yeah. And starting to work with him at USC and then followed him to the Seattle Seahawks. He's been with Coach Carroll for 10 years. And I had questions about what have you picked up about winning and losing? Yeah. You know, Coach won a Super Bowl, lost a Super Bowl with 26 seconds left the next year. Uh-huh. Um, arguably a bad play call, I think. Heartbreaker. Yeah, it's a heartbreaker. And what have you learned? What have you learned about winning and losing and how do people think when they're winners and how do people think when they're losers? And he actually gets into it in the interview. And everything he talks about is something that you're going to kind of go, oh, I need to do that. (laughs) I need to do more of that. And, of course, he's around an exceptional human being, and he is himself an exceptional human being. But as I listened to it, I just I thought, man, we just have a lot to learn from these guys. Yeah. A lot to learn. Yeah. He's just an up-and-coming writer. He's only got one book out. But it's one of my favorite interviews I've done in a long, long time. So fun. Yeah, because it's just so personally applicable. Yeah. There's a lot here. Anyway, from Seattle Seahawks headquarters, Ben actually uh, got in touch with us, and so you might hear some clanking around of weights in the background. (laughs) But here's my conversation with Ben Malcolmson. Again, his book is called Walk On. It's his memoir of what he's done in his life so far. And if you have a kid in college, get him this book, because he did college completely differently than anybody else and he's done life completely differently and he had a great experience with it and it'll be inspiring to whoever you know who's in a college class right now Uh, again the book's called walk on ben malcolmson personal assistant and communication director for coach pete carroll over the seattle seahawks i have a question for ben that's what's the difference between a winner and a loser let's listen and see what he has to say ben welcome to the podcast so good to be with you, Don. I want to talk to you about a few different things. Your book is Walk On. It's really a book about being persistent. It's a great story. But the, one of the things that I'm interested in talking about, other than just the fact that we would all do well to be persistent, is you more or less serve as a communication director for a coach. Is that right? 
Yeah, I mean, that's probably a Swiss Army knife. So it's kind of one of the tools in the Swiss Army knife there. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's definitely a huge part of it. He's a really good communicator. He's a really good speaker. But I would imagine from moment to moment, he's got to be briefed on what he's about to walk into so he has talking points. Yeah, that's the fun part about the job is that both internally and externally, I mean, he is such a gifted communicator. I mean, team meetings to our players, but then in media stuff and things that are external facing too. And it's so special to work for someone like that who I don't have to write a speech word for word. I just kind of got to give him a few bullet points here and there. He's on it. He's so sharp and he's so natural and just so gifted at communicating that we've kind of developed a little rhythm and a little style there to be able to do that. What's the difference between a leader who walks into a meeting and isn't sure what needs to be accomplished or what the meeting's about and doesn't have an agenda and a leader who walks in the room and knows, hey, these are the two things we got to solve right now. Let's get the conversation going. What's the difference for somebody on staff between leader one and leader two? Well, I think there's a higher level of trust at the foundation when you know that this person's going to stay true to who they are and they're pointed in a direction and they know where they're going. And I think that's the coolest thing about Coach Carroll is that he has figured out who he is and what he wants. And not only has he figured out who he is, but he's figured out the identity of his football team too. And he, he's going to stick to that day after day. What do you mean when you say he knows who he is? Help us understand what that looks like and what it looks like when somebody doesn't. Thankfully, he's very vulnerable and very upfront about this stuff. And uh, he's been fired a bunch and uh, he'll openly talk about it. <laughs> As any football coach has. <laughs> it's a tough position to be in. But through those challenging times, he really learned what he wanted and who he truly is. Because for the better part of his coaching career, his 20s and 30s into his 40s, he was just out there coaching, just trying to scratch and claw and fight to keep his job. And after his last firing, he got fired from the Patriots in 1999. And uh, Bill Belichick took over there and the rest is history in New England. But it was also a, a renaissance for Coach Carroll as well. I remember reading in his book, after he got fired in that job, he went home. He had a year off, I think. And he realized, you know what? I don't have an overall plan. I don't have a uh, soup to nuts, A to Z plan that if anybody ever asked me to be head coach again, I could open up a three ring binder and say, here's what I'm going to do and have that kind of solidity going in. He created that during that off season, didn't he? Totally. And he calls it his life philosophy and his coaching philosophy. And it's like, who are you at, at your core, at your essence? Who are you? What do you stand for? And how can you articulate that so that not only can you go produce it today, but you can duplicate it tomorrow and the next day and, and on and on and on and year after year so that you're not just waking up and going wherever the wind takes you and, and wishy-washy and, oh, we lost this game, so we got to change everything. No, no, no. We're going to stick to the philosophy. We're going to stick to the core of who we are. And that's what Coach figured out during that, that year off of coaching is that he figured out that he's a competitor, that deep down inside everything's going to revolve around competition for him. He loves to compete. He lives for it. Everything's competition. And did he identify that when he was creating this plan? Did he basically say, you know, how would somebody describe me? What keeps me up at night? What gets me up early? And he realized, you know, I think for me, it's this desire to compete. Where somebody else might say, it's a desire for excellence, or it's a desire to, you know, defend the underdog, or it's, the, you know, we all have different values. What else has to be in your core philosophy besides your core value? What else did he come up with? What else helped him out? Well, there's a lot of guidelines, it's just the way he operates day after day. I mean, he's going to 
just respect is a huge part of it. How he, you've seen him on TV and just the way he cares for people. I mean, he started all these charities off the field and he has a compassion and a grace for people, always giving players a second chance. But really, it comes back to this competition element. And it's not about competing in terms of I've got to win, I've got to win every game. Because the way he describes competition is far deeper than that. Competition is striving for excellence and it's for striving for your best. And when we do that, just in our day-to-day lives, when I'm trying to make the best out of today, make the most out of today, and just be the best person I can be today, everything else falls into place. And you end up winning a lot of games on the football field and off the football field. You win a lot when you're just trying to be your best, when you're just striving for excellence. And that's the coolest thing about this competition thing is that, I mean, we see it in everything. We have a, a shoot-off, a basketball shoot-off in team meetings every day. Um, our players, two players are called up and they've got to shoot off, face off each other, against each other. And it's a football team playing basketball. I want to be careful how I say this because I think the answer can be taken the wrong way. Is it a team that is afraid to lose? I mean, if two people get called up to do a shoot off, is one of them thinking, if I lose this, there's going to be a penalty? Or is his philosophy, look, I want your best every time. You're not always going to win, but I want your best every time. You know, I mean, how does he deal with the fact that when you increase the passion around competition, you might also increase the fear of failure around the chance that you're going to lose and you might not be accepted on this team? Yeah, totally. We operate a little different than that, though. There's what he talks about is playing in the absence of fear and operating in the absence of fear. And so there isn't fear as much as we can and can operate that way. We try to remove fear. How do you remove fear? What does that look? What do you mean? How do you remove fear? <laughs> That's a great question and something that we're, <laughs> we're always striving for. But I was afraid practice, to ask. <laughs> <laughs> practice plays a lot into that. And then practice for us, both on the field and then watching film and, and just preparation, just chops away at that fear. Because the more confidence you have, the more trust that you have, the more you can play in the absence of fear. Because the, the question that's always is like, do you love to win or do you hate to lose? And I think if, if you ask Coach Carroll, he'd say, I love to win. He doesn't even think about the opposite. When I talked to him personally, you know, he said, when we take the field, we expect to win every single game. And I asked him, I said, what happens when you lose? And he says, he said, I'm shocked. <laughs> <laughs> that was the appropriate answer. If you're going to be consistent, I'm absolutely baffled that we lost that. That's completely, the, the universe was screwed up for a second. <laughs> so I thought that was a very winsome answer. Okay. So how does this happen? I've noticed this. I noticed it last week for the Titans last week with you guys got, you won a screecher the other day. You're down by two touchdowns and a field goal in the fourth quarter. And I've noticed amongst most teams, Seahawks included, it's as if you're leading by three touchdowns. I mean, the morale doesn't dip at all straight through to the end of the game. When things are turning sour, how do you instill in a team to not quit, to believe you're still in this and you can come back, and often these teams do? Yeah, I think that's coaching, but it's also getting the players that have that makeup, that have that desire deep down inside and that that drive and, and they have this resilience about them. And you're shopping for that when you interview folks? You, oh, 100%. Yeah, we're looking A lot for of these players. guys, you're drafting them without even talking to them. Are you seeing that in game film from college days or how are you finding that? No, it's pretty incredible the amount of research that goes in. Our scouts are not only talking to the, the players that we're looking at, but also the, the assistant coach and the equipment manager and the strength coach at their college and even their parents. I mean, you're doing as much background as possible. 
and you're trying to figure out what we refer to it as grit. We're trying to figure out if these players have grit, if they're passionate, if they can persevere, if they're resilient, if they have that drive inside of them. That's grit to us. We're looking for gritty players. And that's why someone like Russell Wilson is such an exceptional talent and he never gives up. I mean, in all the challenges that he's overcome in life, he's everyone said he's too short to play quarterback. And here he is. NFL pro bowler year after year all the challenges he's overcome in his life just to get to where he's at has produced this grit in him what has that done to you being surrounded by that many people who have what you call grit what's that done for you they say that grit is contagious so I've, I've definitely caught the bug and it just rubs off on you the more you surround yourself with gritty people the more you become gritty it elevates you know it's something that you just soak up I'm so fortunate to be around coach for all these years he is the epitome of grit. I mean, all the things he's overcome and he's lost an NCAA national championship to Vince Young with 19 seconds left. He's won an NCAA championship. He's won a Super Bowl. He's lost a Super Bowl on the one yard line. And here he is continuing just day after day. Just nothing faces him. You know, it's just he, he's so resilient and so persevering. What does he do on a day when he's off? We all have these philosophies, but there are days when Whatever it is, you didn't get enough sleep, you ate something that didn't sit right, and for a minute, you know, you really don't believe in this stuff. Is he the kind of guy who, one, doesn't have days off, two, hides those so that that doesn't influence the team chemistry, or is he the kind of person who, you know, will tell you, I'm losing my edge here, I'm distracted, or how does he deal with the reality of being human, I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah, that's the beautiful thing about him is that he is so remarkably consistent. And even those days when, when he shows up first thing in the morning and he might not have as much pep in his step as he normally does, within a half hour, he's the normal Coach Carroll because he either realizes, okay, I'm, I'm not myself right now, and he returns to who he is. He returns to, okay, it's about competition. I'm going to compete to be the best I can be today. His line is, you compete to be the best you, and that will always be enough. And I love that line. And it's like, wow, if I just compete to be the best version of myself today, that will always be enough. Yeah. And it doesn't matter about the results from there. And it's incredible because we won a Super Bowl and we lost a Super Bowl within a span of 365 days. And to see the way he was on the Monday morning after winning the Super Bowl, and then one year later, the Monday morning after losing the Super Bowl, it wasn't that much different you know it's just that's crazy that he can be that consistent day after day and he's not going to let the highs change him he's not going to let the lows change him i'll be back with the rest of my interview with ben malcolmson in just a moment you know ben and i have talked about communication and whenever coach walks into a room he needs to have some talking points because whenever you say something when something comes out of your mouth you are framing reality for everybody around you. If you walk into the house after a hard day at the office and you say to your spouse, man, I am tired, that frames the next hour of interaction. Not only do you frame it for others, you frame it for yourself. Words actually matter. Now, when somebody interacts with your brand, when they go to your website or they hear your elevator pitch at a cocktail party, the words you use will frame the way that person feels about your brand. And we're all making some serious mistakes. It's not rocket science. It's very easy. I think there are a few messages that you need to get out there. They're not difficult to learn. And I've put together a video series that's going to help you. It's at skyrocketyourprofit.com. That's skyrocketyourprofit.com. 
profit.com, P-R-O-F-I-T.com. I want to walk you through the five mistakes that are weighing down your marketing. There are really only five that I see over and over in the thousands of marketing efforts that I review every year. I see the same five things over and over, and you're probably doing them, and it's probably costing you money. Marketing doesn't have to be that difficult. The messages we can come up with can be super simple, easily understood by our audience, and repeatable, most importantly, repeatable. But they're not going to be repeatable or understandable if you make one of these five mistakes. Go to skyrocketyourprofit.com. It is completely free. Skyrocketyourprofit.com. And stop making one of the five mistakes that is weighing down your marketing. Skyrocketyourprofit.com. I'm really interested in, you know, you don't run the ball. You have Marshawn Lynch in the backfield. You don't run the ball. Russell throws. It's a short pass. It's intercepted in the end zone. The game's pretty much over at that point. What do you say to the team coming back to the locker room? I mean, did you have to put together some notes, or did you stay away from coach during moments like that? What's the right thing to do to steer the team in the right direction? Because obviously the rudder just got jammed up. Yeah, and this boat can easily twirl around for a long time. How does the leader take hold of that situation and say, "This can't name us. This is inconsistent with who we really are. This can't name us. We got to do even better next time." Yeah, that was the remarkable thing. Is I mean, from the time that interception happened, which was 26 seconds left in the game, to when we're all standing in the locker room. I mean, it was of real time. It was probably five minutes from the time the interception happened to the time that we're all standing in the locker room as a team wondering what the heck could coach possibly say in this moment. And I mean, I had some notes for him, but they were useless at that point. It had to come from his heart. It had to be true to who he is. And I couldn't wait to see what he was going to say. And he gets up there in front of the team and he says, if you're going to blame anyone, you blame me. Hmm. I'm sorry, guys. And that example of accountability and vulnerability, it rocked me, you know, and it's something that I'll carry with me the rest of my life and every leadership opportunity I have. I mean, coach wasn't the one that threw the pass. He wasn't the one that ran the route. He wasn't even the one that called the play. And here he was taking full responsibility for it. And I think that leadership right there was just so shining in such a dark moment. And it was really, really cool to see. I would imagine your whole team, your offensive line, certainly Russell, the receiver, I would imagine the whole team is feeling a sense of doubt. I wonder how much of this is my fault. And for the leader to come up and say, hey, this one's on me. Let's move on. That's incredible. I want to know, from your perspective, you know, coaches walking into a meeting. I know you've been, you've helped them prep a little bit for meetings with Bill Clinton. I would imagine he meets with Bill Gates. He meets with all sorts of leaders. How do you prep him for that? What does he need to know going into those high impact exchanges. The coach is such a, a great people person that he's such a great relator with people. So the most important thing in those situations beyond just the high level facts and information is personal information about those people and just for a way for him to connect and where's this person from? Where did they go to college? Where did they go to high school? Just those little He wants to know that stuff. Yeah, totally because when he can connect with someone on a personal level it just deepens the relationship. It goes far beyond just a business transaction. It's a relational activity, and it's just so cool to see that. He's trying to connect with them. He's like, oh, 
like you went to this college or, oh, you grew up in this place. Like I remember I spent some years there too or whatever it is. And it's just such a cool way for him to build that bridge so that it's far deeper than just a transactional business acquaintance that it becomes a, a relationship. What are the things that you say, hey, this is a no-go in terms of protecting coaches, you know, the impression that he makes on the world, his image, those kinds of things. Are there a list of things where you just say, yeah, the coach is not going to be doing that or saying that or be seen with this person? I remember traveling with a bit of a dignitary one time into the Middle East and we had to take different flights because we can't be seen coming off of this plane in this airport because there's this other person on the plane. I just thought this is an unbelievably complicated way to do your life. Did you ever sit down? as sort of head of his social media and communications director in many ways, did you ever sit down and say, this is coach, this is how we're going to present him, this is the side? Nobody can present their full self to the world. It'd be so nuanced, nobody could even understand it. But this is the side of coach that we're going to lead with, and anything that doesn't fit this image is no go. Did you guys ever have a formal process like that? We definitely have a framework. It's not a rigid structure per se, but we do have a pretty good filter and framework. And for the most part, the people that he's interacting with are pretty well loved. I mean, they're sports personalities and business people and stuff like that. So he doesn't delve too much into politics, which I feel is probably the hottest of the hot button topics these days. Pretty wise. Yeah. (laughs) That's not the dumbest thing to do. How does he stay focused? He's got so much stuff going on with the multiple nonprofits. He teaches coaches to be better coaches. He gives keynotes. He's probably a pretty powerful force in fundraising opportunities for different causes and he's running a football team how does he stay focused yeah and he just added a uh he's leading a major at usc um so i mean it's just <laughs> As a like, professor he's a adjunct professor kind of and <laughs> but he's helped develop this major at usc for high performance and uh it'll hopefully eventually turn into its own school at usc one day that is killer he's doing that in his spare time yeah he's got a lot of spare time but he does have a lot of people around we have a great team that helps support him and function in that regard but he's got something that he was diagnosed with i don't know if you want to call it a diagnosis but said that he has incredible mental agility that his mind is so agile and can bounce from one thing to the next at such focused attention just so concentrated that a psychiatrist said this is unlike anyone that we've ever seen before just that his ability to to concentrate on something so deeply and then just split second later, jump to something else completely different and dive hundred percent in. Do you have ADD or can he stay and focus on one thing for long periods of time? I'll say yes to both. <laughs> if he needs to, he can hyper-focus. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he definitely has ADD. He's got three TVs in his office and he can watch all three at the same time somehow, but <laughs> he's all over the place. But he also has this incredible ability to concentrate and focus on one thing. You released your book, Walk On. JJ and I talked about it earlier. Tell us a little bit about your story, because it sounds like you and Pete Carroll are kind of cut from the same cloth. You know, it's a beautiful life journey, Ben. But tell me about, since the book came out, what's been maybe the most surprising thing that has come from you telling your story? Oh, man, it's been so cool just to be able to see the story go out. And I mean, Don, you speak to this and preach this more than anyone in the world, but the power of story and just the way that story impacts people far greater than facts or dates or random pieces of information. But when you hear a story, it really sticks with you. And and that's been the coolest thing about being able to share the story, both in writing and also being able to speak it, is that the story really resonates with people on so many different levels. It's the, the high school kid that 
felt like he's the underdog, that he's not going to be able to make his team. And now he feels this passion and this desire inside of him to, to be able to go out and do it. And then you hear from the grandma who has been hoping to find her purpose in life. And she just felt like this fire got reignited after reading this story. Mm. And it's just been incredible to see the wide ranging impact of it. And it's been the biggest gift for me just to be able to hear all that. And just recently a, a movie company picked it up, picked up the rights to it. That's so awesome. Maybe in the next five to seven to 20 years, there'll be a movie out, but we never know <laughs> how well, that congrats works. congrats about that. I think it'll make a great movie. Tell me this. There's been a couple times in your life, I think releasing a book and having a movie company be interested is one of them. There must have been times in your life when you surprised yourself, when you didn't realize, well, I didn't realize I had that in me, right? I mean, you knew you had it in you to go write a journalism piece about walking on for USC, but you didn't know you had it in you to actually play on the team. And you may have known you had it in you to tell your story or you realize your story is important. You probably didn't know you had it in you to write a book and have it out there and impact the world, those kinds of things. How quick are you to believe? And I sort of ask this because you're around Pete and you're around all these winners. How quick are you to allow yourself to surprise yourself rather than say, uh, well, I'm not somebody who's normally capable of this. This must be a one-off fluke kind of thing. You know, every character in every story is designed to transform. But I think there are a lot of people who can't transform. They're so stuck in their old identity that they limit themselves. And you don't seem like a guy who does that. But there must be some kind of point where you surprise yourself and you say, okay, well, I guess this is who I am now. I wonder how much bigger I can actually get than this. You're not an arrogant guy. You're one of the most humble guys I've ever met. But you let yourself change. You let yourself become a better version of yourself all the time, it seems like. Now, I'm not asking you to brag about yourself. But I'm just saying, how did you get through this sort of glass ceiling that stops so many people? I think the cool thing is, is that every step along the way has prepared me to be able to take that next step in through that next door. So they that, really just seem like baby steps. They didn't seem like... No, that's the thing is like I spent three years as a college journalism student just writing one story after another, one game story about the volleyball team, one feature story about the football team. And, and the next thing I know, I'm, my next story is covering the tryouts for the USC football team just the walk-ons. And so I'm just going through it and it's just, I'm just pouring myself into whatever's in front of me. And then I get that shocking call that I made the team. I've not <laughs> tried so to make the, make the team. <laughs> it's yeah. just the craziest thing in the world. And obviously moments like that shock me. Like we win the Super Bowl, that shocks me. And it's so cool, but it wasn't like too big for me because every step along the way had prepared me for that moment. I remember growing up, uh, I was a huge Chicago Bulls fan in the nineties as a kid and Steve Kerr was my idol. Like, I love that guy. I wanted to be Steve Kerr. And then a few years ago, through the way things work in this industry, I'm hosting him for a week at our training camp and we become great friends. And it's stuff like that where in the moment it doesn't feel too big, but then I, I take a step away and I'm like, wow, like this is crazy. Like here I yeah. was as a little kid idolizing Steve Kerr and now here I am hosting him. We're great friends. It's just incredible. And just every step of the way. And I think when we live life that way, like expecting just moments of awe and wonder to happen, they happen. They happen with greater frequency, that's for sure. Totally, yeah. Yeah. Well, Ben, it's always an honor to talk to you. It's a great book for anybody, but if you've just sent a kid off to college for freshman, sophomore, junior year, pick this book up and send it to them. It's a book about a guy who doesn't quit and has lived a really, really special, meaningful life. And if you've got somebody in college who 
you're hoping that can have a, a greater experience, this is a book that you'll want to send them. It's a book about faith. Ben, you're a man of deep faith. We didn't even get into that. It's a book about hard work. It's a book about strength and humility being aligned. And it's a great story. Just an honor to have you on, Ben. I appreciate you, Don. Thanks for all you do. I'm going to be honest. This was a, an attempt. It was an intervention for you. Is it? Because you often lead our WIG sessions, uh -huh. which is our wildly important goal sessions, by saying, you guys, I don't think we can do this. That's not true. That is not true. Especially, and then you call people out. You. You. And you. We've all been talking about it. You are not going to be able to make your goals, and uh, we need to fix that. I think we're pretty, we're pretty like delightfully optimistic yeah. company. Well, I actually do start out our meetings every time. Whenever the date pops up, I go, "We made it, you guys! We yeah. made it!" So, <laughs> we like, we start out with a, we we start out with a win There's every a one of our yeah. week sessions. You arrived alive. Yeah. And that's what's worth celebrating today. And so we <laughs> arrive. We start out our meetings as winners, and we only there's go an automatic there. win, is what you're saying. Yeah. When you walk into the room. That's a winner's mentality. You celebrate the little things. <laughs> I, I, you know what Ben was saying, JJ, about you know walking into the room and knowing here's where I want to go. Here's the direction we want to go, is huge. Yeah. And you know this. We just did a at our marketing workshop here in Nashville. We had 140 people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, at the beginning of the workshop, they're all going, okay, what does my website need to say? What do my email blasts need to say? You know, how do I frame my company for the customer? How do yeah. I explain it to them? And a lot of people, I think most people in the room, get kind of paralyzed. Yep. And they sit there and go, I don't know what's right. Yeah. I don't know what the right thing is to say. And I did this thing, this last workshop. And I said, look, everybody, I'm going to tell you something extremely important, but I'm going to tell you on the street outside of this building and I need you to meet me on the street and everybody gets up and kind of makes small talk while they're walking out onto the curb uh -huh. we actually have this on video uh -huh. we'll, we'll put it on YouTube at some points because it's really funny and I step up on a big box and I grab a bullhorn and I say okay here's what I wanted to tell you people will go where you tell them to go and everybody kind of starts yeah. laughing, right? <laughs> but I, I wanted to make that point in a really experiential kind of way yeah. because at the beginning of the workshop where you're deciding what you're going to say on your website, how you're going to talk about your business, we come up with these seven messaging strategies that you can take them 50 million places, yeah. but you got to take them somewhere. Yeah. And stop thinking, you know, am I doing it right? And start thinking, no, I just want to take these people somewhere that's really good for them. I think Coach Carol and Ben know that. They know if you walk into the room and you don't have some sort of communication strategy, you are inviting people into a narrative void, which is going to lead to confusion. Yep. And I think that's what a lot of people who lose do. Yeah. And he doesn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. I mean, there's so many applicable lessons in there. Listen, if you want to know more about my communication strategy, the seven messages I think you should create in order to put together good marketing or invite a customer into a story, Grab my book, Building a Story Brand. It's available on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, or wherever you buy books. The book is called Building a Story Brand. I actually just had a guy at the last workshop say to me, he bought the book. I think it cost him 16 bucks, And he said, from the time he bought the book to the time he showed up at the workshop, which was several months, he had already attributed a million dollars in revenue to the book itself. I just don't think marketing has to be complicated. I really don't. I think it can be very, very simple, very easy to do. If you just figure out these seven things that you've got to say in your marketing and then repeat them loudly over and over and over until you brand them in your customer's head, 
That's how you do it. That's what works. My book will teach you how. Building a Story Brand is the name of the book. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever you buy books. Music from this episode is by Andrew Bell. He has a brand new EP that released last week called Dive Deep Hushed. You can listen to that new record on Spotify or on iTunes. Congratulations, Andrew. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. <laughs>